Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. Sounds like some Aerosmith. I don't know. Get those demons out of here. Amen. Secular music. No, it's not secular music. It's just some, some brother. How we doing? Revival Sunday? Come on. Come on, young people. Good to see you up here. If you want to claim young, just claim it. Amen. I'm 46. I just claim it in Jesus' name. Amen. You got your Bibles this morning. Thanks for coming to church. And it's a special Sunday every once in a while. Uh, we, uh, we just do something and uh, we just call it revival because I think it's good to, after a season of, of, of looking at discipleship and saying, hey, pray an hour a day, go after it, is to recenter because oftentimes the thing that we're up against in the flesh isn't always just sin. You know, Paul talks about sin. He's like, hey, once you deal with debauchery and fornications and all the easy stuff, you're like, whoa, geez. He's like, I'm going to get into some hard stuff yeah. called the flesh and pride and spiritual arrogance and self-righteousness. You're like, whoa. And, and so we come back to grace. And so revival is simply a resetting of saying, Jesus, all that we do and all that we are is because of you. Amen. Is because of the blood. And so we, we just recenter on Jesus today and just saying, Lord, here we are. Here we are. We want more of you. Does anybody want more of Jesus in this place? We need you. Whether you know you need him or not, do you need him this morning? Do you need a miracle this morning? Do you need a word this morning? What do you need? What do you need? We come to him and with all that we are. Amen? Amen? And uh, can we just thank Javon and Tanya for being with us? Wherever they're at. He's pleading the blood somewhere over the doorpost. He's just pleading blood. He can't stop. He's just like, oh. He's just pleading. He says, there he is, there he is. Javon, we love you. Tanya, we love you. Thank you. We're just praying that they move down here from the evil north. Amen. And uh, yeah, Seahawk country up there. And come on down to, to 49er country down here. <laughs> Amen. I just didn't know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Seahawk country down here. Whoa, that, what just happened? What just happened? And, uh, man, I just, the gift of God's on you guys as such a gift of faith. And uh, you're so anointed. Thank you. And the yeah. gift, the gift of God's going to make room. The gift of God's going to make room. And just speak a word of, of just renewal and faith. And you don't have to strive. And you don't have to network. And do whatever you want to do. Blow up the Instagram. Blow up the things. But God has got his gift on the inside of you. And that gift, the gift. He's going to bust some doors open. And so, amen. We love you so much. And, uh, man, I just feel so full. We broke through. And uh, I I grew up in certain services, worship services, that were as dry as a desert. And the pastor, I think to build faith, would be like, wow, that was so amazing. That was just his sweet presence. Just, you know, I was like, "Mm, maybe, I don't know. So you want to be careful that you don't call a hot dog a hamburger and a hamburger or a hot dog, because when your kids are hungry, they'll be deceived. It's a whole other message. It's a whole other message. And so a good father is honest with his kids, right? Unlike my mom. I'm like, mom, there's nothing in the fridge. She's like, there's something in the fridge. We got some pickles, and we got some soy sauce, and we got mayonnaise. And so, 
Mom, I don't know where you came from, but that doesn't sound like uh, something edible to me. She's like, it's delicious. We used to dip pickles and mayonnaise all the time. I go, okay. So we want to be, be honest with our kids. We want to be honest with our spiritual kids into what's going on in our service. This church is in a season of, of transition. It's a new day. Wherever, whatever you've come from, where God, I believe, is inviting you into a spiritual family and putting you into family and understanding that this is, this is though it be an organization, it's not an organization. Though, though there be some hierarchies and different structures, it's not primarily uh, a, just a structural thing. This is a yeah. spiritual family. Right. And there's a grafting of hearts, just like when you get married. It's not a business deal. I mean, my marriage is not a business deal. Uh, three kisses and two flowers and then one meal and one vacuum and three forgivenesses and two hugs and one foot rub, right? And then at the altar, we sign pieces of paper and go, our lawyers, I think we can come into agreement. Okay. No, it's called love. And when love is involved, for God to love the world, uh, hearts are involved. And so I want to preach this morning on the heart, but the heart is the hard work. So, so the, we, we all think about love the Lord with all your heart. We love that because we think it means nothing. We're like, just that's easy. I don't have to love with my money because that's hard. I don't have to love with my time because I don't got any time. But my heart, he has my heart. There you go. But the problem is, the problem is it, it's actually the hard work. So the hard work is, is the heart work. And so we just that worship service, this last worship service. Cole, you need a seat? Come here. We got two front seats. Come here. We got a newly engaged couple. <laughs> it was hey, happy, happy congratulations on your, on your engagement, and uh, guys, give them some money. Um, unless are you independently wealthy? Do you not need any money? Okay, you don't need any seats or money. Okay. Sounds like pride, brother. That sounds like pride. I uh, would be careful to be around him right now. He might fall. Amen. I'm just kidding. We love you guys. Please come back to church. Amen. I won't, I won't call you out. Amen. Where are we at? So the, the, the worship service is a representation. Did you feel commanded today? Did you feel whipped today? Did you feel prodded into the presence? No, you felt loved. And you felt led, hopefully. There might be a moment where it's, come on, church, get your hands up. And you're like, no. I don't have to. That's fine. But there might be a moment where, you know what's funny about worship? If I duct taped you up, it would be amazing actually how much you probably want to worship. Yeah, I'm not a Pentecostal. I'm not a charismatic. I'm fine. I'm just here. I worship in my heart. Great. And then we duct tape you up, shove a tennis ball in your mouth, and you're like, I kind of want to. Because yeah. you forget sometimes. You get into such go mode, yeah. and our mind's in such weird mode that we forget that we are actually created for this. Yeah. It's right. just... It's just that we are worshiping oftentimes the wrong thing. So by the time we get into Sunday, our, our football teams, and I can't believe you guys follow football, yeah. and um, different hobbies and things, yeah. our, our worship is almost gone. And so we come in and we're like, worthy of it all, worthy of it all. I plead the blood. What the heck does pleading mean? Why are we pleading? That's not New Testament. It's pleading blood. Like, all right, I just, amen. And, 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 and we forget that this is what we were created to do. That's why it works. <laughs> That's why we plug in instruments and we come together and we worship because we were created to do this. 
And then he says, where two or three are gathered. Jesus, big H, says, where two or three are gathered, I'm going to be there. And then when he shows up, just, just a little bit, just a little bit of glory. And we're just like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And what that is, is that's just responsing, responsing in faith. It's a response in faith. Amen. So I want to talk about your heart today. But God's bringing your heart. And he's, he's taking all of your heart. I will love the Lord God with all of my heart. And that, that's what he's after. But the truth of it is, is it's hard work. Right. It's hard work. Do you feel caught between, oftentimes it's not a lie just that we're standing under. We're, 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 we're sometimes caught in the tension of truth. And, and so, and I love this. My friend Nathan Finocchio says, you know, I can do all things through a scripture taken out of context. Yeah. It's like we just take verses. We're like, hey, why aren't you serving a church? I'm putting my family first. Mm, okay. So what we do is we, we get stuck in a season of standing on a yeah. verse taken out of context that yeah. gets perverted. Oh, the, 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 the devil knows the Bible. Right. The devil knows the Bible. He just doesn't believe it and apply it. And so right. there are things that we, in our own fear, will grab something and we'll go, well, you know, David had Bathsheba, so I guess I can get a little freaky, you know. <laughs> oh, you can't handle this. Oh, you can't handle this. Oh, you can't handle this this morning. And we'll, we'll just dip into Scripture and we'll pick and choose what we want. Instead of looking at the whole totality of the theological exegesis of, of Jesus in Scripture pulling him out, we'll get stuck in one verse and we'll twist it to justify our own sin and our own belief. As oftentimes it plays out in the simplest of forms, and a man comes home, I just need 20 minutes to process my day. I just need 20 minutes. I just need 20 minutes. And the woman oftentimes is ready, and the man's 5,000 words or whatever they are. Some of you get like 10 words, but uh, supposedly you've got like 5,000 words. Well, I've already really offended this crowd. <laughs> it's just like, get to the word quick. A life support. <clears throat> Javon, plead the blood. And so, we're <laughs> plead it quick. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and the woman's ready to talk. Well, what happens when you're both right? That's what I'm trying to say. What, what happens when you are trying to raise your family and you are trying to do church? What happens when you are trying to, to receive love because you didn't get it in your family, you're trying to get it in your marriage, but you're also trying to give? When, 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 when do you fight for a relationship and when do you walk away? What do you do when you've got two truths and there's, and there's a tension? I think oftentimes this is when God says, I'm after your heart. If you're caught between two truths, I want your heart. And, and the heart is the hard work. All right, let's go to the Bible. Second, Second Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. Now David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul? Now we're, we're, catching, we're catching David mid-drift, mid-flow, mid-story. And, and we're, 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 it's not, it's, he's, he's at this moment specifically, he has become uh, king of, of Judah and Israel. But we'll dip back before this when he's just, when he's, he's not king at all. But then he's first made king of, of, of Judah and then he's made king of Israel. But now he's king of both. For the first time in his life, he's now appointed for what he is anointed for. And he says, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul, his enemy? Who tried to kill him, that I may show him kindness. You don't want to be, a, I, I don't think I would have want to have been one of David's friends. Because I might have been the dude that walked by Saul, his enemy, who had already fallen on a spear and he was dying. And Saul's like, hey, Isaac, help a brother out. I'm dying. Would you just kill me and make it quick and send me home to the father? I'd be like, 
Sure, that's mercy and that's kindness and that's what David would do. And there was a young man that did that, came back to David and said, hey, Saul and Jonathan are dead. How do you know? He said, well, I helped him die. He was dying. It's in the Bible. He, he was definitely dying, David. I just helped him. I showed mercy on him. And David said, kill him. I, I don't know if you want to be around David because... David seemed to do, hey, I'm so thirsty. And then you go get him water from, from, and you bring it back from Bethlehem and then he pours it out. I mean, David just did, didn't make any sense. He'd go up against Goliath with a sling. And then, and then he, he, he put an armor down and a, and a sword down. And then, and then he, he'd become king and then he would dance himself out of his clothes. Like it, like it doesn't, it, David doesn't make any sense. And yet I believe that David is the type of Christ to show us the heart of God, yeah. that, that what we're going through oftentimes is a heart issue. God, it isn't just so much what should I do thing or what should I not do thing. It's a heart thing. Someone shout that. It's a heart thing. And the heart thing is the heart thing. And so, and so David says, is there, a, is there a servant of the house of Saul? His name was Ziba. So when they called him to David, and David said, are you Ziba? And he said, at your service. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of of God. Anytime I show kindness to someone, uh, it's me. I, I don't, I, I, this blew me away. David even said, the kindness that I show you is from God. Like, the, the, David is so humble that he is even giving credit to his kindness to God. And Ziba said to the king, there's still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. This is the last son of Saul. All of Saul's sons are dead. Why isn't David trying to remove the house of Saul? That's what you do in royalty. You take care of anybody in the bloodline that might complicate the issue. David's now king. It's now the house of David. But now David is trying to show kindness to this, to this, to this kid. And he's the son of Jonathan who's lame in his feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Makur, the son of Emil, in Lodabar. You don't want to be in Lodabar. Then the king, David, sent and brought him out of the house of Mekur, the son of Meal, in Lodabar. Now when Meshibosheth, when, I knew I was going to mess it up. I was so good all day. Mephibosheth, someone shout that. Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth. We'll just go with meth, amen. That sounds too, like, too much like meth. All right, we'll go, with, we'll go with Mephibosheth. We'll get used to saying that. You're going to impress people when you go home today. We talked about Mephibosheth. The son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, he'd come to David. He fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, here is your servant. So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And I will restore to you all of the land of Saul, your grandfather. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. I am Mephibosheth. Say that to yourself. I am Mephibosheth. So David said to him, do not fear. Then he bowed and he said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Sounds like he has insecurity issues. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, 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 he, he, he looks at himself as a dead dog. And the king said to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I've given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and all to his house, you therefore, your sons and your servants, shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. 
Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord, the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem. Check this out. If you've got a Bible, underline this. For he ate continually at the king's table. And he was lame in both his feet. I wish I had an hour. I didn't want to turn this into a series, so we'll just go. We'll just, just dip in and out, set the stage for what is a New Testament idea shadowed in the Old Testament. Amen. May we see Jesus like we never have. Jesus, we just thank you that all we need is a little bit of faith, a little bit of response to your word. We are not in control. You're in control. And Holy Spirit, we just say take over. We thank you for Revival Sunday. We thank you for all of the people that have gathered here today. We gather under no other name but the name of Jesus. And we just say, King Jesus, have your way. All we want is you. We thank you for cheeseburgers, and we thank you for kisses and hugs, and we thank you for sweaters and candles, and we thank you for pumpkins, God, but we, 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 none, of it would, none of it really compares and even satisfies and fulfills like your presence. We just want your word. Lord, we just gather here simply to say on Revival Sunday, revive us. Like Javon said, take dead things and make them come to life. We pray for every Mephibosheth in this room, Lord, to come to life. In Jesus' name. And everybody shouted a big amen. 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 Come on. So in 1997, some of you were not born. And I, well, I forget how old I was, but it's about 19, I guess. And I was uh, 20, 20 in 97. I, um, I was on my way to Promise Keepers. Anybody remember Promise Keepers? And, uh, man, we need some Promise Keepers. Amen. Our men's conference is coming up in March. Thank you, Jesus. God's moving in the men. Come on. And so we were on our way. I, I booked a ticket to, to meet a friend. I was going to fly into Pennsylvania, and we were going to drive into Washington, D.C. And I booked a flight back in the day before iPhones. You had the you know, travel agent. You built a relationship with the travel agent. Spent hours, and they eventually send you a paper ticket. And you had to hold on to the paper ticket. And if you don't lose the ticket, and if I left it in the car, I have to go get it. And I've done that many times back in the day. So anyways, I, I booked a ticket, and I land in Pennsylvania. I land in Philadelphia, and I come out of gate 80. Before 9-11, people would meet you at the gate. So you come out, and you're looking for that big, warm smile. Yeah. Right? You're like, I came out, and uh, there was no, nobody there. I'm like, all right, that's cool. I'd probably just, you know. But we didn't have cell phones, and so I had to catch a, catch a pay phone and look up a book and, and get the number and call the day. be like, hey, man, I'm here. He's like, I'm here. Well, I'm here. What gate? Gate 80. Gate 80. Gate 80. Gate 80. I don't see you, man, unless you changed. I'm like, I mean, I don't know. What's, I don't see you. And long story short, we discovered that I was in the wrong airport. He was in Pittsburgh, and I was in Philadelphia. And so I had to rebook a ticket and get over there, and we made it. We made it. I never finished my stories. People always text me, what happened? I never tell you what happened. 
what happened to the tire? What happened to the dog? I'm like, what happened? You know, he's with Jesus. You know, no. But but so it it, it all ends well. Um, but I, I tell that story because anytime that something happens in life, especially in modern day, people just immediately jump in and try to fix what happened. Hey, did you did you repeat what they said back? Did you check with the did you check with the uh, travel agent? Did you? Did, I always try to double check the city that I book a thousand dollar ticket to. You know, like, oh, I understand. Thank you. That really is helpful. And we end up giving each other just advice all day. I just try to put the keys by the door. Like, you know, I know that. I know that. Thank you. I don't know why I put them there. They're not there. Every once in a while, something will happen where you're like, I, I really don't know what what happened and eventually i did find out that the child agent made a mistake and that's why i tell the story because i didn't really make the mistake but but oftentimes we do make mistakes we are we are broken human beings and we go in to fix ourselves and we go in to fix each other and we go in to help each other and and what would you do if you were david's counselor well well, why isn't why is david in the wrong city well why isn't david appointed king of Judah and Israel. We're going to rewind before this moment for a second. Why Why did it take so long? Why did it take 15? David was anointed at 15. If we were David's counselors, would it look something like, David, how's your prayer life? Well, pretty good. About eight hours a day. Okay, fine. How's your worship life? Well, that's the other eight. Okay, well, that's fine. But how are you in the forgiveness area? Well, I duck spears while I play worship for Saul. Well, that's pretty good. Have you taken on anything? Have you used your muscles? Have you taken on a giant? Yeah, his name was Goliath. I did that. I- <laughs> so, so we go into fix sometimes, and, and we don't understand sometimes, not all the time, that there is a greater picture going on. There is something bigger going on. Everything in your life is not because of your sin or someone else's sin. Jesus, why is the blind man born? Why is this man born blind? And what's going on? Was it his sin or his parents' sin? And God's like, so God can get some glory. Every once in a while, your theology needs to become bigger than your psychology. But often in times in the modern era, psychology has got up here. And so you need to do this and do that and say this and everything will go fine. And if we forget that David was anointed for something that he simply was not appointed for that you might be ready but the stage might not be ready the team might not be ready the business is not ready the people are not ready and so you might be anointed i want to preach to some people this morning that might be anointed for something that you haven't quite yet been fully appointed for and and there might be some oil on your life and some gifting on your life and some grace on your life for something that you haven't seen come to fruition i wanted to encourage you today that god will Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Picked up a demon in between services. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just going to anoint myself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you might, that, 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 that God will always anoint. And, and what's sometimes annoying about the anointing is, is that he empowers you to do something before you can do it. He drops something in your heart, and so you see something before you see it. Oftentimes, anointed Christians are the most annoying because they think they have the anointing to, to go in and control people. Well, the Lord told me I was supposed to marry you. See, things that Christians are never supposed to say. They're like, what is that? Your mama didn't tell you that you don't use a word for someone else that's meant for you. But you're trying to impress someone. Now, that's insecurity and fear, not faith. Control is fear. 
Response to his word is faith. And so God calls you. And so, and so David is anointed, but he has not yet been appointed. He, he, we, we find him just a few chapters before this that he is king of Judah, but he is not king of Israel. And I just, again, wanted to just, to, just to land on this this morning, that, that just take off your critical eye, even off of yourself, and quit connecting every dot. I love, I love, I love, I love, I love words of counsel. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it all. I love it all. But you might be over-connected on everything in your life, trying to understand why things aren't taking place. And I just wanted to encourage you that God is working together some things for your good. And he is preparing a stage. He's preparing a room. He's preparing something for you. And the anointing on your life is just as powerful as it's ever been. And there might come another anointing. David had three anointings. And there was the first one, though, was when he was at 15 years of age. And it allowed him, the power of God comes on you. And it allows you to do what you're ultimately called to do at a different level. So the anointing came that he became king in his pasture. And he passes those tests because the anointing, just because I, my kingdom looks like sheep, don't, miss, don't, don't, take, don't, don't misunderstand the fact that it's still a kingdom. So that's why whether I'm preaching to 10,000 people or two people, don't, don't, yeah, don't, don't, don't look at what's going on because something's happening in the spirit. And God's called me to preach. And God's called me to declare the word. So I don't look at what's out here because God makes kings in pastures. Then he puts them in the palace. Some of us are waiting for the palace to make us. But it's the season that we're in right now that we discover the power of the anointing. Because the power of the anointing is in order to serve. Power is not for power's sake. A lot of a, every young leader goes through this. I know some of y'all try not to make eye contact right now. But it's just a little awkward preaching. I, like, I, I, I miss the days of evangelists. I just blow in and blow out. Now I know all your stuff and we know each other. And so I don't want to call you out. But every young leader, I went through it too. That's why I know it ultimately is we all want a title so we can not have to deal with each other in peer pressure. I can just tell you what to do and I can just control you. The problem is power is not, this purpose for power is in order to serve. Jesus did not come to be served. He came to serve. And so throughout this story of the house of Saul, and the house of David and the house of Saul was getting weaker and the house of David was getting stronger. We actually see David's anointing come out in full fruition. He starts to serve at a higher level. He actually turns down the control and he turns up this holy, this, this anointing, this humility that says, don't touch the Lord's anointed. I, I will not manipulate that I will not put myself in the throne. David was adamant about not putting himself in the throne. Why? Because the presence of God is not, cannot be manipulated or controlled. It shows up because of a response of faith. David's biggest thing, his biggest asset was his heart. David had a heart after God's heart. When you're stuck between two things of knowing what to do, it often shows us in the life of Christ, and David's a type of Christ, that God is after your heart. God is trying to do some heart work on the inside of your heart. You're not so much caught up in what to do or what not to do. It's what's going on in your heart. God is after your heart because out of it flows the issues of life and he is showing you how to guard it because the next time he drops a word in your heart you're not 
going to let it go so easy. You're going to protect it more. You're going to mix faith with it. You're going to write it down. You're going to pray it. You're going to prophesy it. You're going to not let another word or another seed. Let You're going to steward and manage the presence of God like never before. And so David is a, is a servant. You can't stop a servant. You can't stop a servant. Every body sweats and stinks. Every body, every church body stinks. That's why a servant, there will always be sweat. There will always be dirt. There will always be grime. If you are a servant, you cannot be stopped. I tell you all the time. You want to get involved in leadership at a youth group, find the youth pastor, ask them to wash their car. They cannot and will not say no. I have never said no to a, to a car wash. I've never said no to an act of service. Oftentimes, the door does get closed to an act of power, to an act of give me a title, to an act of God's call me. It's now time for me to what? To be important? To, to, to execute your power? I, I, don't, I don't know if I want that because my job is to protect, is to protect the house of David and to also, to also bring in the house of Saul. See, so David's in the middle between what is... Remember, Saul was picked, picked by man and David was picked by God. And so God is trying to, through David, mix the old and the new. David's a type of Christ, Old Testament and new. What we're trying to do is we try to just say, mom and dad, bad. I don't have to ever talk to them. And we want power and title to control. But God gives you power in order to serve. And so every time we see David make moves, especially when it doesn't look like it's going to happen. So if you are in a situation that doesn't look like it's going to happen, this story is for you because David at this moment begins to become strategic at the highest level of heart. Because it doesn't make any sense. So, so, so the house of Saul is getting weaker. The house of Saul has one more son. Saul has one more son. It's Shishobeth. I think it's a Shishobeth. Isn't that a great name? We got all kinds of great names here today. It's, I won't pronounce it right. What do we got? Ishbosheth. I knew it. Ishbosheth. Ishbosheth. I've said it too many times. I may even forget myself. Ishbosheth. Yeah, he was a weak son. And, and, and the house of Saul was like, we need a king. We don't want David to unite this, these, these the tribes. And so they made him king. But they made him king, and then they killed him. And it shows us right before David takes over Israel that, that it cannot be man-made. Because if it's man-made, it can be man-killed. If someone makes you, they can also break you. And so David is protecting the anointing, right? He's protecting the anointing. If you have to have some person, if you have to be dependent upon man, it's not God. Man's a part of it, but God gets all the glory. And so, and so David, David, David's operating. David's, David's trying to unite. David's trying to clear the way. Any power given to him, he uses it to serve. He, he uses it to unite. He even brings back, he said, um, um, I want my wife, Michael, back. And, and Michael was taken from him, and, and Michael loved David. The Bible says that Michael loved David. Saul's daughter loved David. But when she got close to David, you could tell that there was something about David that irritated her. And we see eventually where David brings Michael back, and then, and then David becomes king, and he brings back the ark. And David is so overwhelmed with the presence of God, he can't handle himself, and he dances himself out of his robe and out of his clothes and his wife looks up there from, from, from the room from the palace and looks down and, and just disgusted and she goes I can't believe you are so undignified as this 
and he goes, I will be even more undignified. And it says that her womb closed up. Because whatever you try to control, see, they, Saul and, and Michael love David. Oftentimes, it's not the love, I love you! It's not the love that's the problem. It's when you can't control what you love, you end up killing it. And so Saul, who loved David, and Michael, who loved David, just wanted David dead. Go away. And yet David is uniting. David's clearing the way. David's bringing together this phone. I bet most of us would not advise David to do any of these things because it does not line up with our boundaries, our books that we've read, our psychology that we have. But there's a greater authority called serving God with our heart. And there's something that wants to forgive dysfunctional people. And there's something that wants to serve sinners. And there's something that wants to extend grace to the ones that don't deserve. And so David is representing Christ. And he's saying, I got to bring back my wife i gotta bring back i gotta bring back i gotta i gotta unite the houses that i don't understand this i don't know i have not been appointed yet it doesn't look like it's gonna happen every time i get close to the throne of israel it gets ripped from me i find myself sleeping in a cave i find myself running from my life i find myself with the philistines i find myself ostracized from my men at ziglag there's ups and there's downs and yet there's david's heart saying god my heart is for your heart would you reveal your word i'm just your servant lord i'm just your servant and so the houses are still divided and and they kill one of saul's sons shishabeth and he's dead and then and then abner wants david to, David doesn't, Abner doesn't really want David to be king because he still is loyal to Saul's house. And, but yet he wants David to, to maybe kill their enemies because David, one thing he's also good at is killing Philistines. That man is a Philistine killer and the Philistines dread him ever since Goliath. And so Abner manipulates the situation and says, well, let's bring David in. We'll make him king, but we'll give him the army, and then he'll kill all our enemies. And so Abner's manipulating this thing because a lot of times people will look like they're trying to join with you and partner with you, but it's just self-interest. It just serves their interest. And yet David, David, Abner ends up dying, and David serves a lesser man. David is at the casket of Abner, weeping. Weeping, and he knows he's getting closer. He, he, he is starting to see that God finally, right. after 50, finally the doors are opening yeah. for what he has been anointed for. And when you are anointed for something, you're often frustrated because you know that you just simply want to serve God and you want to see the plan of God take place in your life. But there's something burning on the inside of you and you want to heal the brokenhearted. You want to you bring together people. You want grace for the sinners. And you want to bring, he's bringing Michael in. And he's weeping at the casket of, of Abner. And he's, he's humbling himself. And he's, he's serving. And he's using any anointing and glory on his life. Because what we do is we, is we serve. I, I'm the big cheese around here, I guess. That's what the young people call me, is the big cheese. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm just hopefully the biggest servant. In here, this, this, the, my, my job is to serve word. I just want to serve you word because I love you. It's amazing this week as I prepared this message. God put so much love yeah. in my heart for this church. I know, I know, I know. This is like me, 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 me. You love everybody here. No, but I mean, like, I'm sitting there. I'm just was so giddy to preach. I'm so giddy to serve you. 
I so get, just, just giddy to give you bread and give you oil. I was so excited to sing, you know, plead the blood with Javon and just gather together. Why? Because the, the anointing on my life, any power on my life is to serve you. And, and you cannot stop a servant. You cannot stop a servant. You got to serve your way in that marriage. You, you got to let go of power, let go of title. I'm husband. Great. No one cares. You got to serve your way through. That's why you got to let go of power. You got to let go of control and pick up the anointing to serve. Pick up the towel and wash. Pick up the word and restore. Pick up the oil and pour it on someone. Any bit of power that I ever get, the purpose is to heal people. The purpose is to feed people. The purpose is to love people. The purpose is to serve people. This is the house of God, and we are servants of God. Amen? We are here to serve the Lord. And so, Ishbosheth is made king. His team made him look good. He was weak. His own men killed him. The house of David is getting stronger, and the house of Saul is getting weaker. And people are pulling at him, and, and David is, is, is restoring his wife and res- restoring his love for, for the house of Saul. And he's serving at this capacity that doesn't make any sense. What's in your heart? I don't care what's in your head as much as I care what's in your heart. So many people come along in your life so I can help you out for what's in my head. But is there heart? Is there heart for you? Because what's in the heart ultimately is, is, what, is, what, is what matters. And David's heart was for the nation to come together. And so he was making strategies and he was making moves and phone calls. I just felt by the anointing even right now that, that God's going to show you that some of these rules that you have are meant to be broken in the name of love, in the name of of Jesus. You've got these things and you've got this way, but God's releasing you this morning and you will know what to do once your heart once your heart is washed and once your heart is cleansed and your heart comes back fully and says, Lord, here, here, Lord. I, 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 I'm not in control. You are in control. David is rooting out dysfunction. He's rooting out competition. He's rooting out control. He's clearing the way. And, 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 and when people want to kill him, it's amazing that David decides to, to kill people with kindness. And I know that's a cute phrase, but he literally, he's, he's a killer. He's a cold-blooded killer with kindness. He has this way. Now, not niceness. I don't need you to be nice to me. Nice is an emotional, immediate response of being like, hey, that's being cordial. That's being nice. Kindness is at your expense. It's an intentional act that I'm going to extend something to you that might pain me. And so David is extending kindness to the house of Saul. And he's so adamant about unity that he will take a hit for the sake of the nation. That the nation, that nothing in the nation, and this has taken years. See, some of the anointing on your life is to restore some bigger things and build some bigger things than you could have ever imagined. And that's why it's just taken some time. Because the anointing on your life is bigger than you could have ever imagined. But you view it through your insecurities and you view it through your past. But God's about to bust you out today and give you fresh faith and remind you of the anointing on your life, simply the stage, the palace, the room, the business, the relationships are not ready yet. Keep serving, keep believing, take heart. And so David, though, is now sensing that the time, the time is near and he takes the throne and he is still on this, on this operation of saying, is there anybody from the house of Saul? I know everyone's dead. 
David's not looking for an answer that I think you and me would be looking for. Like we go in prayer, God, what do you want me to do? Show some kindness to Saul. It's a strategy move. Love your enemies. Lord, I love my enemies. Um, hey, is there anyone that knows anyone from the house of Saul? Hey, Ziba. Hey, how you doing, David? Yeah, great. Hey, is there anybody? No? Yes. Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm just going to bless. I'm just going to bless my house. This is the house of Saul. Worship team, come on up. This is the house of Saul, the king that was rejected by God, the king that tried to kill him, the king that gave him his daughter who ended up despising him. Thanks. Thanks, Dad. Continually tried to take his life. Made, 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 made years of, of, of terror and he had to sleep in a cave and he had to sleep on the run because of this man. David is such a perspective and I had a heart for God that he would not control something. He would say, Lord, here's my heart. Would you control my heart? Because my heart controls everything. I give you my heart. God, I give you my heart. It's amazing some of the worst seasons of my life have been when I've been in control of my heart and I've been right. And I just say, Lord, I'll give you my heart. David had a heart after God's heart. Yeah. Who can know the heart of man? Who can know the heart of God? My heart is to know his heart. Yeah. And that's the hard work because the heart is at the center of my life. And so this morning, it represents this time where we say, Lord, we give you back our hearts to love the Lord God with all my heart. Maybe God's been speaking to me. Maybe God's been doing something in my life to try to get my heart. David's heart somehow had been gotten a hold of God so much that this dude wanted to show kindness. Like he wanted to. He was like, is there anybody that I can show kindness from the house of Saul? And David's already won. David already has his sons. And David's got, the Bible seemed to say his sons are like really good looking like Brad Pitt from kind of Troy not that I watch movies but I've seen a poster like he like he's a good looking dude like chiseled muscles long hair big jawline the whole deal like his sons were, were were pretty awesome and so David has his own house now David doesn't need anything and yet David is so adamant somehow that the heart of God restore his nation restore his enemies restore people that tried to kill him this is how much David wanted to use his power to help out people, not just lowly, but people that didn't like him. Yeah, yeah. Mephibosheth could be king if it, if it wasn't for the fact that he was lame. I bet you advisors said, kill him. So there isn't any issue. Man only has one go-to. Do something. Manipulate something. Say something. Kill something flesh and yet the heart of David shows us no I want to know if there's anybody in the house of Saul that I can bless that I can show kindness that I can show favor that I can hook up why because David is representing Christ to every Mephibosheth in the Old Testament that when David takes the throne 
It's good news for all of his enemies because he's looking to wash and forgive and renew and restore. And he's saying, is there anybody in the bloodline of Jonathan or Saul that I can not just forgive and hug and say, let go, that I can show my favor and my kindness. What does that represent? The best of the palace. When we get Jesus, we get the best of heaven. Not only do we get forgiven, but when you plead the blood, it doesn't just wash your sin. It also causes you to receive the benefits and goodness of eternal life in heaven. Is there anybody? Is there anybody? And Ziba comes forward and says, yeah, there's Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, who, David, do you remember when, when Saul and Jonathan fell on the battlefield that day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Jonathan's son, whom you loved, Mephibosheth was just little, and they heard that the king was dying, and so they figured the whole bloodline would be, would be slaughtered by somebody, maybe even you guys. And so the nurse ran. So the nurse picked up Mephibosheth, and as she's running with good intent, she drops him. And Mephibosheth hits the ground and breaks his feet. And now he's lame for the rest of his life. And running for his life, he finds himself in Lodabar. No economy, no resource, valley of the shadow of death. David says, bring him here. Bring him here. Bring him here. Mephibosheth comes to the king's table. And David says, Mephibosheth, I want to show favor on you. And I want to give you everything. Everything that your father had. And everything. David didn't have to go this far because Saul was a very wealthy man. David said, I'm going to give you everything that Jonathan had. I'm giving you everything that Saul had and I just want you to sit at my table and you don't even need to worry about your two lame feet because Ziba over here and all of his family and other family are going to serve you and they're going to bring in the harvest and they're going to bring in everything and all I want you to do is to receive this word by faith and sit down and rest and I want you to eat at my table. All I want you to do is receive this. How hard would that be from Mephibosheth to receive that by faith? You're not going to kill me? You're not going to, I mean, I'm sitting at the table with some good-looking dudes. You want me, I'm, I'm the grandson of Saul who continually tried to kill you, and you want me to sit at your table and eat just like one of your sons. And David said, that's right, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Mephibosheth, not based on what you look like or what you've done, but based upon your confession of faith that Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, I see the blood. I pull you out of Lodabar because of the blood that it runs through your veins. You are the son of a king. And Lodabar, and and, and Mephibosheth, I know you've been living in Lodabar, but I didn't even ask you to get out. I came and got you out. I came and pulled you out. I came and got you out and brought you to the king's table. And I know somebody dropped you. Mephibosheth, I know what you I know you didn't ask for this. I know there's been somebody in this room that's been dropped by somebody else. I know they dropped you. I know they said that. I know they did that. I know they affected your life. It, but David said, I pull you out of that and I wash that off 
your past and Mephibosheth just a dead dog and David said no you're the son of a king you're the son of a king you got blood you've got the DNA of a king and because of your blood I bring you out of Lodabar and put you at the king's table and now you need to let go of what happened to you in Lodabar is there anybody is there any Mephibosheths in this room that are ready to leave Lodabar once and for all. I'm getting out. Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. I know where you are, and I'm pulling you out. I'm pulling you out, and I'm bringing you to the king's table. All I need you to do is sit down. All I need you to do is rest in, in, in who you are in him. All you got to do is rest in the blood. All you got to do is believe. All you got to do is hold on. All you got to do is receive because of the blood. But Mephibosheth, because of the blood, I pull you out. Let's sing this this morning. Because of the blood of Jesus, the blood can pull you out of Lodabar. The blood of Jesus can pull you out of brokenness. Let's sing this this morning. The blood of Jesus can pull you out of sickness. The blood of Jesus can pull you out of dysfunction. The blood of Jesus will wash every sin. I know you are drawn. I know you're broken. I know you're lame. I know. I know you're walking. Jesus said, I see it. I know your heart's broken. I know your body's broken. I know your mind's broken. I know you got two lame feet. But you got the blood of a king. You got the blood of Jesus. My finish, chef. I pull you out. Don't hold the part.
do is receive the word of God this morning. Every person in this room, every person in this room, all you got to do is receive the word of God right now. It's not control. Let it go. 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 Let go of your life. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let go of tomorrow. Let it go. Let it go. You got to solve thing. You got to control thing. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Every person in this room, let it go. Let it go. Pick up a heart thing. God, here's my heart. God, here's my heart. Oh, there it is. The blood of Jesus is washing. He's washing. He's washing. He's washing the hearts right there, right there. I know you've been protecting yourself because it hurt too bad. But Jesus is now. It's now time. It's now time to leave Lodovar. It's now time to eat at the king's table. I know you don't believe it. I know you don't believe it. But some faith is about to hit this room. If you've got faith, take hold of this word. If you've got faith, take hold of this word. That's a time.
Knoxville. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I like this. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. See, Mephibosheth is not the only one broken in this story. David's broken too. It's not just the blessing of the blood that attracts us. The reason I want to bless you and you're broken is because I'm broken. What connects us is the blood of Jesus and what connects us is our brokenness. You're not a great preacher because of the blessing. It's your brokenness. You're not a great dad or mom just because you're awesome. It's because of your brokenness. He was broken and he was bruised for our iniquities. He became like us in order to save us. So in order to restore Mephibosheth, God had to use a David who was broken. He was ostracized by his family. He wasn't invited to the ceremony. He was mocked by his brothers. He was, he was, he was kicked out of every room that he found himself in his early years. David was broken. David, why are you here? Get back to those few sheep. David had words. David had stories. David had Saul's spear. David had people trying to kill him. David was a broken man. And so by the time David gets to the palace, it's his brokenness that causes him to understand the kindness of God. It's the brokenness that caused him to want to bless the other brokenhearted. It's the brokenness in me that makes me want the blessing of God to come to every broken person in this room. It's your brokenness that allows the blessing to flow. So by the time that David is king of Israel and Judah and the presence of God comes back, the reason David cannot contain himself, the reason he has to dance out of his clothes is not just because of the blessing, it's because he was so broken that God pulled him out of brokenness and brought him into blessing. You might be running from the very thing that the blessing is attracted to. It's your brokenness. It's your brokenness. Don't run from it. Don't pretend anymore. He said, bring me, bring me Mephibosheth. He said, I don't need that. I'll need your legs. I just need your heart. Can you let go of Lodabar? And can you sit at the king's table? And not compare yourself to my sons. If I call you one of my sons, Mephibosheth, you're one of my sons. Don't compare yourself to Absalom. You don't want to be him anyways. <laughs> don't compare. Just receive. I placed you at my table. Now eat. Now eat. Now eat. If you need Jesus this morning and you need to come back to Jesus, just give him your heart. There's salvation in the house. To say, Jesus, Jesus, come and fill me. Come and take my life. I give you my life. Give him your life. I sent I some young people today. Give, them, give Jesus your life. Just give him your life. If you haven't really sold out and given him everything, just take this moment, young people, to say, Jesus, I give you everything. Put your hand on your heart and say, Jesus, I give you everything. I give you my golf. I give you my tennis. I give you my, I give you my girlfriend. I give you my, I give you my time give it to him. 
If you need healing this morning, just receive it. If you need restoration this morning, just receive it. If you need prayer, just come up here. Just come up here. Because we're getting ready to praise Jesus in this place. Look like I spilled my water. I want to sing that first song that we sang. Since we got Javon and Tanya, we're going we're gonna to praise God, that first song. I want you to get ready to give Jesus a praise. Sometimes we're not good at praising Jesus for what he's already done. I don't care how, I don't care how cute you are. I don't care how conservative you are. I want to turn this place just for a few minutes and we'll get out of here. Turn this place into a house of prayer and praise. David knew how to take his brokenness and bring it to Jesus because of his blessing of what God did in his life. Where has God taken you out of? What Lodabar has Jesus saved you from? I want every Mephibosheth in this place to praise Jesus, to lift up the name of Jesus, and to worship him. I want you to begin to give him about 30 seconds of praise even right now. Just unlock it in this place. Every person, I don't, I don't care who you are. No, I mean like from your heart. From your heart. This is the tribe of Judah stuff. This is tribe of Judah stuff. This is Mephibosheth stuff. This is I should be dead or in prison without Jesus. Without the blood of Jesus, I should be dead. Without the blood of Jesus, I should be crazy. Without the blood of Jesus, I should be lost. But he found me. He saved me. I want anyone in this room that is saved to begin to find a deeper level of praise, a deeper level of worship, a deeper level of gratitude, a deeper level. We got to get back praising God for what he's done, for who he is, for what he's established. We got to praise him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. He is the God. He is almighty. He is. He is. He is my Savior. Let's praise him in this place. Let's praise him in this place. Are you ready to do this? The first song? Yeah, where's Josh? He didn't, where's the drum? Get up here. Get your drum. My goodness. My goodness.
these are the things. He's teaching us that young people have to lead the way. Every revival has young people leading the way. God's putting things in place. He's putting things in place. And some of you are here because God anointed you to summer camp in Georgia. Anointed me at a summer camp in California. Anointed you to some meeting. Mom prayed for you. House 20 years ago. He's orchestrating something powerful. He's orchestrating something powerful. And he's saying, just keep your heart right. Just keep your heart right. It's the hard work. That's actually the hard work. So not let offense, not let stuff get in. Let go of Lodabar and sit at the table. It's just used to eating, just receiving from my goodness. Amen. We gotta get out of here. I love you so much. What a day. What a day. Can we thank Javon? Javon. Jesus Christ, one last time in this place. Historically speaking, when they lost praise. Because it is the hardest thing to unify hearts with. It is, isn't it? We can sing a hymn and close our eyes. I'm not knocking hymns. But I'm saying, hey guys, let's all go buck crazy and praise Jesus in here. It's actually harder because it takes, you can't control it. And so to have hundreds of people dancing, shouting, clapping the name of Jesus... It's, it's, it's work. It's work. God's doing something big in our lives. We're, we're family. We're family. Welcome to the family. The family. It's not a mafia. It's not a mafia. It's not a mafia. All right. We have our prayer teams. We'll still be up here. If you need prayer, call it off. We'd love to pray with you. For whatever. If not, say hi to somebody. Take someone out to lunch. Enjoy your day. We love you so much. Be happy. We're going to heaven. Put a smile on your face. You're going to heaven. Come on.